Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast for today, Sunday the 23rd of October. Our recording comes live from Drung last week, where we were looking at the question of will I ever be good enough? And I'll hand, o- hand you over to that service now. Hello, good morning. Welcome welcome to those online. Welcome to those in person. It's great to be with you this morning for our service of morning prayer. And we're continuing in our series on what's the story. And today's question is, guilt and shame, will I ever be good enough? And our opening hymn is one that gives us some sort of answer to that. It tells us, in Christ alone my hope is found. And the fourth verse tells us, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Let's uh, remain standing as we sing together in Christ alone.
please do be seated for our first Bible reading. And you'll need a Bible for this one. If you've got one, uh, there's some in the back there. Uh, they're they're in, the, in some of the pews and they're at the back. It's Ezekiel 36 on page 724 of the Church Bibles. And in this reading, God's people, well, they've been found to be guilty and they're in exile. But God promises them something wonderful. Uh, listen to this reading. Children, if you can spot any of the things that God promises them, put your, your hand up at the end and tell me what it is. What does God promise his people in these verses? Page 724. Ezekiel 36, verse 24. God says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What does God promise? Did you spot anything that God promises? Yes? A new heart. Anything else? Could give them back the land. Anything else? He put his spirit within them. Wow, God promises cleansing. A new heart and putting his spirit within them. And because God promises cleansing, it's wonderful to be able to come to him and say sorry, isn't it? Knowing that he's the kind of God that forgives. And so we're going to do that now using the words of the confession on page one of the service card. Together we pray. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in thought and word and deed through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. In our second reading, we'll hear the wonderful words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so I can pray with confidence, Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please would you stand to join in the responses at the bottom of page two. O Lord, open our lips. O God, make speed to save us. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. 
We're going to praise his name in our all-age song, one that it really fulfills, it shows us how those words from Ezekiel are fulfilled in the third verse where we're told, know the name of Jesus Christ that makes us new. And it ends that verse by saying, he gives us hearts of flesh and changes us inside. Just what God promised through Ezekiel. Let's remain standing. Dorothy's going to help us uh, sing this. Uh, it's a light and a hammer. We sang it last week, I think, for the first time. And let's, uh, we're going to try it again this week. going to turn to prayer and we're going to begin with the Lord's Prayer on page four of the service card. Together we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done upon earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we continue to remember the family and the friends of those who lost loved ones in the tragedy at Krishla. We remember the family and friends of Shauna and Robert Gore. They'd gone into the shop just to buy a birthday cake and they never came out. Please comfort their family in their grief. 
We pray for the family and friends of Catherine O'Donnell and James Monaghan, a mother and her son. Please be with their family and friends. We pray for the family and friends of Leona Harper, a 14-year-old girl on her way to a friend's house. Please comfort her family and friends in their grief. We thank you for the digger driver who found her body. Please comfort him and all the others who helped with the clear-up and encountered such distress. We pray for the family of Jessica Gallagher, a 24-year-old fashion graduate. She seemed to have so much to offer and so much ahead of her, and it's now gone. Please comfort her boyfriend and her family in their loss. We pray you'd comfort Tracy and Hamish in the loss of their husband and father, James O'Flaherty. Help them as they come to terms with the shock, and may they know you as their Heavenly Father. We pray for the family of Martin McGill, and especially his mother, who he used to care for so faithfully. Please comfort her in the loss of her devoted son, and may she know the love of your devoted son. May your grace be sufficient for her. We pray for the family of Martina and for all the staff and customers who knew her in the filling station. Please comfort them. And we also pray for comfort for the family and friends of Hugh Kelly, at 59, the oldest man to die from the explosion. Lord, as we consider these ten lives, we realise how much this will hit the small community of Krishna. We thank you for how people have supported one another in their grief and ask for that to continue. We pray for others who are grieving this week. We remember the family and the friends of Carmel Gavin and also those remembering anniversaries this week. We pray for the family and friends of Leslie Ney and for Mita and the family as they mark the anniversary of Kathleen this week. In a moment of quiet, any others we know who are grieving at this time? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and to rise again. His cross declares your love to be without limit. His resurrection declares that death, our last enemy, is overthrown. By his victory, we're assured of your promise that you'll never leave nor forsake your people. Please comfort those who are grieving at this time. Please enable them to find in you their strength and refuge. Lord, in your mercy. Sovereign Lord, we also continue to pray for the country of Ukraine and we pray for continued advances for Ukraine and that you'd stop the shelling from Putin. Thank you that you've restrained him from chemical or nuclear weapons and we pray that, that would continue to be the case. We pray he would repent and pull out of the country. Please comfort all those who lost loved ones in Ukraine and be near to them. And we pray that in this difficult time many would turn to you. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for any others who we know facing difficult times. And this morning we remember Jackie Crow and Anne, Leon Briardy, Olive Simmons, Lucy Roberts, David Riley, Maria Turnan, Abby McDowell, and in a moment of quiet, any others known personally to us.
Heavenly Father, please help each person we've just thought about or named. Please give them patience in their trials. Please free them from anxiety and grant them your peace that passes understanding. We pray for healing in body and mind and a confident trust in your power. Please help each person to know that you're at work for the good of those who love you. We pray you'd continue to give wisdom and love to doctors and nurses and all other medical staff. We thank you for your grace that is shown through them. And we pray that we as a group of churches would show your love and compassion to those going through difficult times. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And the collect the special prayer for this Sunday. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us your gift of faith, that forsaking what lies behind we may run the way of your commandments and win the crown of everlasting joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We close our prayers by joining together in the third collect for morning prayer on page five of the service card. Together we pray. Go before us, Lord, in all our doings with your most gracious favour and further us with your continual help that in all our works, begun, continued and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name and finally by your mercy attain everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you'd like to look up there for our second Bible reading, uh, you can see it inside the service sheet. It's from John chapter 3 and uh, it's in the Church Bibles on page 887. And in this passage we hear about a, a birth or a new birth. Ezekiel promised God's people that he'd give them a new heart. And in this passage, we hear about a birth. And children, I'd like you to tell me how many times you hear the word born in this reading. How many times do you hear the word born? John 3 verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many was it? How many did you get? Yep. Seven? Any advance on seven? Robert's getting eight. Did you get eight? Ah, oh, that's what I made it as well. Any advance on eight? Eight. I think we'll go for eight. We missed one there somewhere. Um, eight times we heard about that word, born. Well, it spoke of God's love, didn't it? That wonderful word, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We're going to sing about that love now in this song, How Deep the Father's Love. And the third verse ends by saying, His wounds have paid my ransom. Let's stand and sing together.
But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Well, as we remain standing, we're going to affirm our faith together in the words of the Apostles' Creed that you can see on uh, page three of the service card. Together we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, please do be seated. If, if uh, the children have a worksheet, uh, Dorothy, you've got some worksheets there. Have you given them all out? Brilliant. There's, uh, there's a worksheet coming out. I'll tell you when to fill that out um, to, to, uh, to follow along. It's an all-age uh, service today, so there's no Sunday school, um, but uh, I'll tell you when to, to fill that out. And let's pray for God's help as we look at his word. And I'm going to get my Bible, because that would help. We're in John, John chapter 3, and let's pray for God's help. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we pray today we would understand your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Will I ever be good enough? Have you ever thought that? Ever wondered that? Not, not about me, but about yourself. As we sing in one of our all-age songs, why we let the same mistakes happen over and over again. We long to be better, but there's a gap, isn't there, between who we long to be and who we actually are. We say, I'll never do it again, and we do. We say things we regret. How good do you need to be to get into the kingdom of God? What if you keep messing up? What if you mess up really badly and you know that, that weight of guilt that presses down on you? Is anyone good enough? If anyone was good enough, surely it would have been Nicodemus, who we met in our reading in John chapter 3. We're told he's a ruler of the Jews and children on, on your sheet. You can start filling that in, uh, what we know about Nicodemus. He's a, a ruler of the Jews. He's a Pharisee. His mum would have been really proud of him. He's, he's kind of a, a, a rolled into one. He's kind of a, a professor of religion, a TD and a bishop. He's, he's, he's a superman, a super chap, a good bloke, a pillar of the community. He's an honest man, a Pharisee. We, we often think of them as a bit of a, a baddie, don't we? Because they, they never come off too well in the Gospels and we think they're, they're a boo-hiss kind of person. But actually, they were very good people. There were only 6,000 of them and they had taken a public vow that they would devote themselves to religion. They were devoted, good people. He would have never missed a Sabbath day worship. He was an honest man, a respected man. If anyone's right, surely it's Nicodemus. Surely he's good enough. And if he isn't, 
What hope is there for any of us? Well, let's see what happens when he comes to meet Jesus. He comes to meet Jesus at night, we're told in verse 2. I wonder if he didn't want to be seen. Or else it's that he's in the darkness still. There's something about that. He's come at night time to see Jesus. He's a good religious man. He's respectful to Jesus. Do you see in verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He asks Jesus this. It's not even really a question, but it seems to be coming to Jesus and wanting to know something. He says to Jesus, you're doing these signs, and these signs are pointing to something. At this point in John's Gospel, we've only heard about one sign, and that was the miracle that Jesus did at the wedding in Cana when he turned the water into wine. And in the Old Testament, the prophet Joel spoke about how there'd be new wine with the coming of the kingdom. And maybe Nicodemus is starting to wonder, could this be the one who's going to bring God's kingdom? He does talk about signs, so maybe he's referring to other signs Jesus did, the the healings that he did, reminding us that God's kingdom is going to be a place where there's no sickness. And maybe it was the driving out of the demons, reminding us that God's kingdom is a place where there'll be no evil. He's come to see Jesus. He doesn't want to miss out on the kingdom. How does Jesus answer him? Do you see what Jesus says in verse 3? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's a strange response, isn't it? To a man who's just said, we know you've come from God. And Jesus says, you need to be born again. It's a strange response, isn't it? And children, we're on to number two on the sheet. Why does Jesus say that to this man who is so religious, so good outwardly? Well, because at the end of chapter two, we were told that Jesus knew all people. He knew what was in a man. We're told that in chapter 2, verse 25. And so as good as Nicodemus looked in his outward appearance and in all the good that he did and in all his regular worship at the Sabbath, Jesus looks into his heart and says, you need a fresh start with God. He sees underneath the outward appearance and sees his heart and says, you need to be born again. What does that mean, to be born again? There's all sorts of confusion. We're on number two, children on the sheet. Often we we think it means becoming a fanatic. And whilst it might be okay to be fanatical about sport or about farming, to be fanatical about religion is dangerous, isn't it? That's where the problems come if if you get fanatical about religion. Maybe we think that being born again means you have to get a placard and a megaphone. That's what it means to be born again. But Jesus does not say you need to become more religious or you need to become a fanatic. Nicodemus was already that. He was a religious fanatic. He was one of 6,000 who had devoted themselves to religion. He's already very religious. What Jesus is saying is you need a fresh start. Imagine I was to say to you, look, I've had had enough of being a rector. Uh, I'm leaving and I'm going to become a farmer. I've watched you doing it, and I think it looks quite fun, and uh, 
I, I think I could do it. You know, I, I've watched you, you cut the silage, you, you spread the slurry, uh, and uh, you feed the cattle some nuts, and uh, yeah, you, you help out a few calves from time to time, maybe you milk a few, I, I reckon I could do it, you know, I, I'll, I'll have a go, I'll start tomorrow. Well, you'd say to me, you'd, you'd, you'd need to be born again if you, want to, if you want to become a farmer. You need a fresh start. You need to grow up on a farm. You need to learn about the animals from a young age, all the signs of infection and danger. Uh, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't hack it. Uh, and you'd probably be right, and I wouldn't be too offended. That's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. He's saying, you need a fresh start, Nicodemus. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you need to start again. But Nicodemus is the good guy. He's the pillar of the community. He's, he's the generous one. He's the honest one. He's there every Sabbath. If he's not good enough, what hope is there for any of us? If he needed a fresh start, well then surely you and I do as well. How do we get one? Nicodemus seems a little bit confused, uh, even angry uh, Children, we're on to number three on the sheet. And, and look, how, look what Nicodemus says in verse four. He says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You, you see what Nicodemus is saying? He's saying, look, I can't exactly climb back into my mother's womb. That's not going to work. And, and how do I know I'd turn out any differently? What do you mean, Jesus, when, I say, when you say I need to be born again? I don't get it. Well, Jesus is not saying you need to climb back into your mother's womb because even if you did that, uh, well, you wouldn't turn out any differently. Do you see what Jesus says in verse 6? He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You, you don't stand any chance by just climbing back into your mother's womb, even if that were possible. He says instead, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He's talking about a spiritual birth, a spiritual rebirth. He's saying to Nicodemus, you need to be born again spiritually. You need the longings of your heart to change so that you want to go God's way. You want to please him, not just outwardly, not just putting on a show every Sabbath, Nicodemus, but inwardly. Do you love God? And you know, it's something only God can do. And Nicodemus should have known that. He should have known what this meant because he had the scriptures. He had our first reading in his scriptures. He would have known it. He probably would have read it in the synagogue. Jesus tells him in verse 36, you're Israel's teacher. He should know this. He should know that Ezekiel promised a new heart. That God had promised it. And Jesus is saying, now's the time. You can get a new heart. I've got uh, two children, and when they were in the womb, well, I used to talk to them, but I'm not sure they really understood what I was saying. Now, they, they had eyes, but they couldn't see the funny faces that I might have been pulling at them. They, they had ears, but they couldn't really understand what I was saying. But when they were born, eventually, they started to smile at the funny faces I pulled and even laugh. And they, they began to realize that those noises I was making was, was, me, was me singing. Uh, that's what the sound was. They, they had eyes and ears that could see and know me. Before we were born again, if you've been born again, before, before you're born again, you have eyes, but not for God. You have ears, but you don't want to listen to his word. 
your ears are closed. And when we're like that, with our eyes closed to God and our ears closed to God, Jesus doesn't say, try harder, pull your socks up. When we make the same mistakes over and over again, he doesn't say, try harder, stop it. But he says, let me give you a fresh start. You need to be born again. Let me take your sin on, my, on myself that you can have a fresh start. We're at our harvest in, in Lara last week, Willie Nixon explained it very helpfully and clearly as he talked about how, imagine that book was a record of my sin, how Jesus took it on himself so that we could be free and have a relationship with God. Jesus is not saying try harder, but let me take your sin and you can have a fresh start. I'll give you a new heart, Jesus is saying. It's not about you being good enough, but it's about asking for a new heart, asking that he'd give you eyes to see, ears to hear. Have you done that? You see, you'll never be good enough, but you are so valuable, and God loves you so much that he'll do that if you ask him. He'll give you a new heart. He'll open your eyes to see how good he is. He'll open your ears so that you want to hear his word and pay attention to it. But you might be thinking, if you're not good enough, how, how can God accept me? Well, it's only when we accept we're not good enough and turn and cry for help. And to help Nicodemus understand this, Jesus turns him uh, back to, to the book of Numbers, chapter 21, to a lesson that God taught his people in the wilderness. It was when they were in the wilderness uh, grumbling and moaning and children were on to number four on the sheet. They were living as if they had no need of God. They were almost wanting to go back to Egypt. They said to, to, to Moses, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? We've got no food. And they began to stop trusting in God. And so do you know what God did? He sent snakes. And the snakes bit them. And then they cried out to God. And God heard them. And he said to Moses, make a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And if anyone's bitten, they can look at the bronze snake and they will live. There was nothing magical about the bronze snake. It was simply that uh, they were to take God at his word, to listen to what God said, and to trust in the means of rescue that he provided. Imagine you were bitten by a snake and you decided instead, I know what I need to do, I need to try really hard. Or you decided, I know what I need to do, I need to suck the venom out. And you got in Would that have worked? No. What you had to do was trust in the means of rescue that God provided. You, you couldn't save yourself. Your only hope was to trust in the method that God had provided. And Jesus says that's what you and I need. When you know you're not good enough, when you know that spiritually you're, you're dying, when you feel that guilt and that shame upon yourself, look to the means of rescue that Jesus has provided. Do you see in, in John chapter 3, Jesus said that, that serpent that was lifted up on the pole, like so much of the Old Testament, it was a shadow of what Jesus was going to do. And so, verse 14, we're told, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Son of Man is Jesus. And he would be lifted up, not on a pole, but on the cross, for your sake and for mine, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, life with the eternal God, relationship with God, a fresh start. I wonder what you make of that. Maybe you prefer to contribute something. We like to make rules or keep rules or have religion or ritual because we might think that by us doing something it's, it's more affirming we've brought something along. But you know the truth is far more uplifting and freeing. To know that actually you, you will never be good enough but you are so loved and so valuable that God gave his only son for you. There's nothing we want more than to be loved, is there? And please look at verse 16. Just have a look there on the service sheet or in the Bibles. John 3, verse 16. It's a wonderful verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that the most wonderful news in the world if you don't think it is you haven't understood it that God so loved the world that's people like you and me people in rebellion against him people who are not good enough that he loved you enough to give his son for you you are that loved when you feel the weight of the guilt and the shame pressing down on you look at this verse God so loved you in your guilt and shame that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in the means of rescue God provided, his son lifted up on the cross, should not perish, but have eternal life. Will I ever be good enough? No, not, not even Nicodemus was. But if I accept that God loves me so much that he sent his son into the world to die for me, and I look to him and believe in him, I will have life. I will know God. And it will start now, and it will go on forever. Let me pray as we close. Lord God, your word tells us how loved we are by you. Help us not to ignore that love. We pray today you'd give us hearts, new hearts, and eyes that love you, eyes that see how good you are, and ears that want to hear from you, want to hear your word. Please help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing our final hymn, and if you look at the, the second verse, it says that wonderful thing, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. The guilt is taken away. Am I good enough? No. But my guilt can be taken away. I'm dearly loved. Let's stand and sing. To God be the glory.
has done. Well, let me just break into the recording there to give you the announcements uh, for this week. And the first is to say that on Wednesday night, we'll be in the Agricultural College in Ballyhays at 8.30 to continue our uh, discussion series on what's the story. On Thursday from 3.30 till 5pm, we'll have In Touch at the Rectory. And then on uh, Friday night, it'll be Teens for Christ and BB. Next Sunday's a United Service uh, at 11am in Lara. And then that following week, uh, Dorothy and I will be away for the week. Mark Smith will be around if there's any emergencies. And the Bishop will be taking our services on the uh, 6th of November. So I'll say goodbye there and we'll close with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.